what's going on, fam? Hey! Yeah. I know, I know, it's been like a hell of a long time, and on top of that, she's like, um, that episode, though, where have y'all been with it? Yeah, (laughs) still having a little bit of medical issues going on with me and stuff, so we've been taking it easy and letting her rest up a little bit. I'm frail. So, so until we get that done, hopefully that'll be resolved sometime this week. We're just going to continue to be light, but we didn't want you, of course, again, to go empty-handed. So we just wanted to go ahead and cover this weekend, and we actually have a double header. On Friday, we attended LeakyCon here in Dallas. Woo! Only attended on Friday, but mm-hmm. it was an experience. Definitely. I just loved how when you first go there, because it was at the convention center in downtown Dallas, and how the usual parts when we go to to Comic-Con, the usual places that we use in the convention was actually occupied. They would have like a fire marshal convention. And so we walked through the doors we normally did. And of course, they were looking at us like, what the hell? (laughs) Why are y'all here? Yeah. We were looking at them like, what the hell? Like, why are you in our, our space? In but, our space. It's just yeah. like, oh, okay, y'all y'all are doing your thing. So so pretty much everything was contained in Area A, which, you know, worked out for the best because even for the flow of traffic, it wasn't like Comic-Con where everybody and their grandma could come because, you know, they only have a certain amount of tickets. So, but definitely bigger than that hotel, I believe, that they wanted us to be at in the first place. Oh, yeah. So all is fair and good. So I guess, Mia, what do you think about it overall? As a Harry Potter Potter fan, I've, I've been in this fandom for a hot minute. It was kind yeah. of surreal to finally be here because I've always heard about LeakyCon and I used to listen to MuggleCast and stuff like that like when I was in college. And so to actually be there, it was just like Mecca for me. It was just like, oh, I'm here. And so it was just, especially given the way that the Harry Potter franchise, the direction it's taken in the last yeah. couple of years, especially since the movies are now, for the most part, the main canon movies are over. This is getting back to what I love about Harry Potter and the community and the brotherhood and the fellowship, just being able to connect with fellow Potterheads and geeking out and reminiscing over different things. Just being able to go that one day meant everything. And it's it's actually happened. Like, we're here I still can't believe it. It's like, we we did the thing, finally. But I really love the panels. The first panel that we attended was one about civil rights and segregation in the magical Mm -hmm. world. And it talked a lot about privilege and power with wizards and how they use their power to subjugate other creatures and the way that they classify beasts, for example. You have to have a certain amount of human sentience. And um, speech. And speech in order to classify as, you know, not a beast or whatever. And it's like, oh, fuck. Talked about the power differentials between wizards and muggles and wizards versus squibs and how different people are marginalized in society. We were very focused on house elves and werewolves. especially. And I've talked about stuff like this with my mom and my my younger sister because we're big Harry Potter nerds and we'll just get into these weird discussions. But it was kind of reaffirming to be like, oh, other people have thought about this shit too. Right. Because it's there. and, And that was another thing that was talked about that yes it was addressed to the books but not to the full extent of what one would think and i get that you're also writing for children so you don't want to blow up their brain cells too early but how just a lot of things are just like glanced over or glazed over a lot especially when it comes to having gay characters that are openly so in the book instead of acknowledged at the end like jk rowling's oh by the ways yeah uh, as a side note like there was a, a side huge note, yeah. talk about representation 
and how to, we were talking about including characters of color and right. featuring LGBTQ characters because you can't tell me in a school full of wizards in the UK, you can't tell me there are exactly. LGBTQ folks. Like, right. yeah. And so it was a really good discussion and I was trying to record as much as I could because I'm like, oh my God, my sister would love this. That one definitely was my favorite panel. And so oh, yeah. that opened with a bang. It was like, yes. So they already got going. And then shipping wars. Of course, this was the big shipping wars, especially back about over 10 years ago, back in 2005 was when it really came to a head, Mm -hmm. especially for those that were really shipping Harry and Hermione together versus Ron and Hermione and how articles, the Harry and Hermione people got shut the fuck down and how much more fierce it was then. But now that everything is now 10 years later, especially since after the films have and the books have been finished, that a lot of shipper people have chilled the F up, and especially since a lot of them were in their teens when they were inciting these wars, in their teenage emotions, but now that they're older they're able to process that more, even though they do still carry flames for whatever ships they love, that they have the maturity to be like, okay, yeah, I love this, and I can always have this, like, in fan fiction or music videos. Yeah, I think it's just the that. way that they approach it. And before, when you're, like, 14 years old, and someone doesn't have a ship you like, you just straight up, you're stupid! <laughs> you know this is the best it's like yeah, no just having the maturity of being like okay i okay. can see where you're coming from it's not my thing but you do you cool appreciate and, that and yeah. and also like that people saying like okay what ships do you like and some people were like no i can't really see them together too like oh yeah i can see that yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, yeah with that little stipulation in there yeah i can see that so it was nice to have that general discussion but i still will not get over the giant squid and Hogwarts shipping? How the fuck oh did that Oh my god. Me? Jesus. Yeah, that was... How should I say? That was probably the most disturbing part Frightening? of the day. Figuring out, apparently, the giant squid is shippable with practically anybody. Everything. And everything, including the actual castle itself. Guys... What the fuck? I give that the castle can give consent for a lot of things. But for the giant squid, though, I'm like... Um, no words. I I can't. Um, Yeah, and discussing the more problematic ships like Snape and Hermione and I'm like, guys. Pretty much anyone older with the young kids. And so, They're children, guys. No. Yeah. This is not R. Kelly's house. No. Yeah. So that was an interesting one because I was there when the shipping war was in full effect and like people straight up were attacking one another. So it was interesting to get a newer perspective now that all these people are adults and trying to justify certain relationships. I'm like, okay, I can see where they're coming from now, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and having that wisdom that comes with age and growing up and realizing that just because you have an opinion, it's not absolute. It doesn't necessarily mean you're right. And, right. yeah, you can respect other people's opinions and all that stuff. So, right. except for giant squid, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Outside that, like, the relationship, especially a lot of people that were still hardcore Harry Potter and Hermione fans, and how quite a few people were dissing Ron. is like, Ron was not smart. He was acting like a child. I'm like, yeah, because he was a teenager yeah and like harry was yes and harry yes harry was the main staple of the book but harry had his moments too he wasn't exactly 100% golden either no and there were several panels that did talk about him as an unreliable narrator one of the other panels that we attended was a hufflepuff meetup oh yeah that was because we had to go y'all know we had to go (laughs) it was very interesting because we figured out that the meetups that happened are very different depending on what type of house that you're in. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting with Hufflepuff, it turned into kind of like this therapy session 
where we talked about our need for self-care and doing a better job of establishing boundaries and learning to say no and understanding that putting ourselves first is not a bad thing. It's just realizing to do that. That's the thing too. And not to our detriment, putting our health on the line or something like that. Someone used the analogy of, you know, when you're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down and they always tell you, you need to put on your mask first before you help other people. But you automatically want to like put it on your kid or whoever else, an elderly person next to you to ensure that they're safe first. But it's like, no, you have to get out of the mindset of taking care of yourself first so you can attend because it's hard to help people when you're unconscious or dead so or expel would expelling be like as bad as actually going through and wondering if you're gonna live from year to year i mean honestly hogwarts should be rated one of the worst schools in the whole entire world i I mean if you're talking about like actual death ratios accidents and then you have seven years of harry fucking potter um yeah i don't even think Durmstrang has this much chaos no like it's crazy no so it was interesting because we had a couple Slytherin sit in on our meetup and we had a couple people who talked about being hybrids like they overlap with Ravenclaw. Funnily enough a lot of our friends are Slytherins and we were talking about how that dynamic plays in our real life where we're the more compassionate ones they're the more hard ones and they're the ones who are like hey bitch take care of yourself (laughs) and on the other token telling Slytherins like hey you really need to reaccount what you just thought and said. Yeah like you need to develop a little bit more compassion but I feel like Hufflepuffs and Slytherins balance each other out very well. They're the yin and yang. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I was noticing that. I'm like, a lot of my friends are Slytherin. And at first it was like, oh God, that's kind of weird. But at the same time. But it's that same thing of also growing with the maturity as well within this franchise because you have been taught in these books that Slytherin is a bad place and so it's just like oh that's the evil class it's like no mm-hmm. it's just the fact that take it with a grain of salt because Slytherin is resourceful and very driven a lot of that is the same things that embody Gryffindor too yeah. it's just that you know yes unfortunately they have like the quote unquote more bad wizards in that house but bad wizards apparently come from every other house except for Hufflepuff <laughs> yeah. and you have to also remember so. a lot of what we know about Slytherin is from Harry's point of view and he gets influenced by Ron way off top he gets influenced by Draco and then you have Snape in the picture too and so again as an unreliable narrator you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because these are Harry's interactions with Slytherin folks we don't get a full view of what the normal kids interaction is with a Slytherin like a Hufflepuff and Slytherin will probably have a different relationship Um, uh, you know Ravenclaw and Slytherin they probably have a different relationship if it's just a regular kid but it's Harry fucking Potter you can't really rely on that too because he's also coming from with a fresh pair of eyes like a lot of these things he does not know because he was not raised amongst all of that so it's also coming from someone who just just doesn't know just from the skim surface if he was raised by a wizard family his thoughts probably would be a lot different but of course this is coming from new eyes there would be um, more bias but even, yes. even in the beginning before things get sorted he already is influenced by the people around him about what slytherin is and luckily by the time you get to the last book that dichotomy has changed because there are so many different sides mm-hmm. things have changed where he names his kid one of them so Ugh, don't need, mm, don't get me started on that because i'm a I still want to fist fight you. But, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but interesting um. enough, <laughs> one of the panels that I wish we had attended was in defense of Slytherin because I feel like Slytherin does get a bad rap and it's like, yeah, I can understand we're being cunning and resourceful can be bad things and being ambitious 
but those can also be positive traits too if it's done the right way it's just how it's expressed another panel that we attended about Love. snape this it one... was supposed to be a pros and cons one yeah and it fell apart Very real quickly. quickly because apparently there was supposed to be about three panelists or so on the panel and it was supposed to be the pros and cons audience participation and this was the biggest panel because you know everybody just we got two cents about Snape. So of course this was like a huge panel. A drummer that was in a cover band that was supposed to be performing Friday night. The stipulation was when they came on board that they have to do a panel so he was just like okay cool I will pick you know the Snape panel and be with the other people and we discuss and that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. The other panelists didn't show up it was just him and he had nothing to go off of and so his bright idea is that he thought that nape was garbage but he's just like okay i need people to discuss in groups of eight to ten and have someone come up and have points of the reason why snape is redeemable and And this is in a room of like 300 people so oh it wasn't 300 by the time he announced that first thing because like about 100 people already started exiting the exes out of the bible there's like and we're done. This is yeah. not what we signed up for. And so after people came up to the mic for that, and then he's like, okay, now I need the other side of the reason why Snape is not redeemable. By that time, we're just like, we're leaving. Let's go ahead to the vendor room because we had not gone at all yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because Snape is a very interesting character. And I think that was one of the biggest draws of the panel. It's like, oh, yeah, let's talk about Snape because, yeah. yes, he's a dickbag, but... He's an interesting yeah. character. He's an interesting character yeah. overall. Yeah. So that wasn't really discussed. And a lot of it is just like people, of course, most of the time in their feelings. And so it's just like by that time, it didn't really get that same impact. Like the first panel we come to, it was just kind of come across as something I've done in college. That's not what I'm coming here for. Yeah. It was more of a, a debate style thing where it's like, okay, prove me wrong. And it's like, really? No, we're, that does no, not, that's, that's not, not how you do a panel. We can discuss Snape as a character as a whole and then get into the good and bad. Like, what are his good traits? What are his bad traits? What are the things he could have done better? How could he have changed Harry's future or changed right. the way that, you know, there, there if are he was nuances. a decent yeah. human being. Like. Yeah, if he had acted with some semblance of actual decency and not was a, a jerk to a bunch of little children, how could things have been different between him and Harry? Especially teaching him occlumency and stuff like that. So, so much potential here and... Yeah, kind it of was lost. Yeah, that thirty and above. Panel. Yeah, that was another one that was really disappointing. The lady, she was cool, and she was a woman that was almost in her sixties. And how that she goes to all these different conventions, and that how she would tell people like, yeah, despite your age, it's still okay to do these things. Like she dressed up as Rainbow Dash. She never even like heard of the show before. Mm-hmm. She wears all these colorful things. But like the expectation of that panel was not what was expected. It seemed like unfortunately she was talking more about herself and what she she's done and so a lot of people will say things but it was either kind of like dismissed or kind of like oh okay yeah. but it was still more in her feelings in realm of control what we would have liked to have seen was something a little bit more subjective or general or, or being in your 30s still enjoying harry potter especially if you've already grown up within this culture how was it when you first read it versus to now now that you are mm-hmm. you know in your 30s or if you have a child yourself now in comparison to when you read it before like what aspects has it changed for you over time how yeah. do you 
look at things differently. Or Yeah, and how does it feel to be part of a franchise that has, I mean, we're literally in the double digits now <laughs> in terms of fandom. And how do you reconcile yourself as someone reading what is dubbed as a children's series and then getting into the fandom and figuring out, oh my God, there's a bunch of teenagers fighting about ships. I'm just here for this type of analysis. Like, how do you handle that? Because my personal story, I got into Harry Potter when I was in college. I was like in my last couple weeks of my junior year. I had nothing to read because the library was like, all right, we're locking down the library. So you got to turn all your stuff in. I was like, fuck, I have nothing. And that's when I started Mm -hmm. reading the books because my roommate lent the first one to me. And yeah, the the fandom was so different then because the movies were just starting to hit their stride. I think Prisoner of Azkaban was the most recent one to have come out when I started reading the books. So Mm -hmm. it was just the fandom has changed and the way that the series has definitely changed. And there are certain things back then. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And now I'm like, JK, no, why did no. you do that? No. So I felt like there was some lost potential with that one because the lady had a very interesting life, but I felt like it was more about herself. Rather right. Than being in a fandom that's constantly growing and evolving. You have younger kids now that just literally grew up with Harry Potter. My sister grew up with the series from the beginning. So now that she's 26... Her perspective is going to be very different from someone who came in very late. Late. And And like I did. And I really didn't read it, ironically enough, I think until I was 30. And of course, that was after you had dragged me to the three. I say drag, but no, I went willingly, but dragged me to the midnight showings. Even until then, I didn't really read any of the books until after the last movie came out. Mm -hmm. And so like, I know my perspective definitely is different than someone who grow up with the series reading it from day one i just like the advantage of having all books at my disposal and stuff having to wait like years oh my god (laughs) don't drive me nuts (laughs) yeah but overall the event was really cool and it was just a dream come true being able to go and we didn't do any of the autographs or the star kid people were there some of them and i think devin murray was there we missed his panel because we were doing other things but even still we had such a great time and it was just so nice to be around so many potter heads and it's like oh my gosh this is what I miss about this this is the best part about being in a fandom is that community and being around people yeah you know the movies are mm, varying levels of greatness the books yes. will always be there but the people especially it, that's what really makes the series for me at least so wonderful and- yeah. And I just love all the generational you saw from young, young kids on up to older fans. And so I like that all the generations can enjoy this one thing. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. I like it a lot. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Must repeat. And then of course, like if you are in the Dallas area or like other people will fly, skip, whatever you do. Mm-hmm. I think tickets are still on sale if you want to go at least one day next year. And I think it's going to be the same time next year. The other reason why we were busy this weekend was QuakeCon. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have only been able to go on Saturday. For the most part, Saturday is when the wrap up of festivities. I know by that time we had already missed the QuakeCon championships. Mm-hmm. So Mia, what was your gauge about Saturday's festivities? QuakeCon is just so much fun. We went as free attendees and even as free attendees, there's always stuff to do. There's panels you could do. There's giveaways. You could test right. out different types of hardware and games and stuff because the vendor room is basically like Bethesda on speed. On just, speed, yeah. Like, yes, like here, do all the things. You can test out computer peripherals and stuff. So if you're trying to upgrade things. So QuakeCon is always just a fun experience. One of my favorite parts is going into the BYOC room to see the different setups and how people have modded their their kits and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, the creativity that goes into this stuff. And one dude, he made 
his kit out of a hamster wheel, basically, yes. like a hamster cage. And it had it running on, like, I think batteries or something like that. But it was really cool. Yeah, um, like, even, like, the bowl, the yeah. <laughs> feed bowl was, like, full of, like, computer chips and mm-hmm. stuff, like, melted together. I'm like, that was so freaking creative. We saw a fish tank for one person's setup. The stained glass, a lady that came in second place, I think, for the custom mods, she had this beautiful stained glass setup. It was awesome. One was obsessed with Reptar, and I think I actually saw the dude because he was, like, in his Reptar regalia. But he had, like, Reptar stuff, Reptar figurines in his mod and that was pretty cool just seeing the care and dedication it's like man i would love to build my own computer but we were talking like we just need the basic thing like first step open box i'm like that <laughs> basic anything more advanced than that I, I would explode my brain cells so yeah i would love to do even just the simple just putting together something simple that would be a cool thing to do let alone try to do it to the same care and dedication that they do there is no fucking way yeah, the time and energy it takes to soak to that. I have so much respect for them for the things that they do. It's just so cool. But it was really nice. We actually attended a really good panel about Fallout 76. And yes. you probably have already seen videos on YouTube with people talking about how the system works. You know, Todd Howard was up there and he explained how their griefing system, how they've been able to combat that. Excellent. Automatically, people just start cheering before he even got, like, words out of his mouth. Yeah, because the way that it's set up, I'm like, finally, you're actually going to be appropriately punishing people who are just being dickbags. Like, finally, because I feel like, especially with multiplayer games, there are a lot of people who avoid them, like us, because of the way that people just don't know how to fucking act and... It's like, it's a game. It's supposed to be right. fun. Yeah, people get their kicks out from fucking with other people. And I'm like, okay, sure. But, like, a lot of people don't want to engage. So it's like, you get punished for fucking with people who don't want to be bothered. Yeah, like, so. it's, it's, I mean, I could see some lighthearted trolling. Like, you're just goofing off with your friends Or if it's shit. amongst your own friends. Yeah, yeah that's one not mine. Perfectly fine. But if it's for someone who doesn't, or it's just like, I don't want to do this today. I actually just want to, like, work on building my civilization and then go from there. It's like, yeah, you're going to have a problem and before even that stuff escalates you have maybe like five or six levels where you're pretty much learning the ropes of the trade especially mm-hmm. to build your encampment and leveling up getting your specials done and stuff before all that stuff will engage so you won't be attacked for being like level two yeah so you'll be in your own thing and they said how everyone's encampment will be based out it'll be kind of hard to find everybody unless you're really on the hunt for people yeah like um you, you can't really find a specific person right unless they do something bad where they become wanted and then that's when it's like oh it's all oh man that one is awesome so (laughs) if you do decide to be a dick chase there's stages of escalation you can do like pretty much like a slap or a shove and it's just like okay you want a piece of me you want a piece of me so you can go out that way but if someone does not want to engage and you kill that person anyway um you get none of their shit then you get a blazing wanted star over you and the people of course around you get to hunt you but you can never see where they are Mm -hmm. on the map they can see you but you can't see them so if you're going to go with that punishment, it better be worth it. If you want to be a douchebag, you will be punished for it. Yeah. So there was so much applause to that because I think that's just been an ongoing problem with multiplayer online games. That's part of the reason why we don't really play GTA or even like when we were playing Red Dead Redemption online, it's like as soon as you respond in the area, they're up there gunning for you. It's like, no, yeah. I, I didn't even want to be like over here. Yeah. It's just, I had to respond over here. 
so yeah, a lot of people have different gaming experiences, and I'm glad that they're acknowledging acknowledging that instead of you know multiplayer having to be this one thing. It's like no, it can be both. It's just that you have to be aware for both players. You can either ignore or silence, so you don't have to deal with other people if you don't want to. So hopefully, if everything goes very well, that maybe like other companies can start incorporating those same core values into the game too. Yeah, and maybe so. that will help ease off on some of the toxicity that happens in these type of games. So yeah. this is probably like the first major game of the Fallout series that's going to be full on multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So feel of community that you can build with other people. It seems that, you know, even Mia might be on board, you know, to do this in groups. So I think like me and me and probably even Brianna might give it a try. I'm kind of excited with that introduction. Mm-hmm. Another really cool panel we attended was about 40 years of gaming. And, and this is PC gaming, PC really. Game. Yeah. So I loved this panel because Mm -hmm. it talked about kind of the origins of where PC gaming came from. And it basically evolved from tabletop and RPGs and it just moved mediums. And I'm having to type in code like from magazine, type in code to get their own game. If you fuck up any line of that code, you have to go and scan through that to find what you miss in order to make sure that worked. But that was dedication on their part for them to get new games. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear their analysis on how the gaming industry has changed and what's gone wrong. And it's talked about how now we are so focused on hyper-realism and, and graphics, graphics. Yes. instead of focusing on gameplay and fun. Yes. Um, and it was like, oh my God, it was like we went to church. or just like, yeah, yes. it talked about, yeah, like the computer games back in the day, they weren't pretty, but they were fun. One of them talked about how- He was reading an article or oh, something that someone right. had wrote about him just bringing out, what was this, his Atari, and was playing tanks on it. And how his son was just like, what are you playing? And he was just like, well, I'm playing tanks. Say, well, can I play? Sure. So he played, and by the end of that night, his son had invited all of his friends over, and he hadn't even been able to get back on his system for like two weeks Mm -hmm. because they had utilized it because it made the game fun even though the graphics was not the speaking point yeah the graphics should be on point if it's a triple a title but it doesn't have to be the thing that outshines everything else the story or the gameplay should speak for itself first yeah i had listened to this top 10 list about about signs that when a tv show is going to fail mm-hmm. and one of them was the inhumans and how just of it just talking about the actual story of the show let's talking about the technological achievements of the show about this being shot in imax what the fuck does that have to do with anything like, exactly what is about the show that's interesting like why should we tune in what about the story the is characters characters yeah. and their you know their character arcs that's what we watch things for is to right. story and yeah there are people that are totally like action and they're there for the explosions and shit i get that but at the same time still have that on 1080p like that's pretty much what he you don't have to have a 4k monitor or a high or a high def graphics card in order for you to enjoy the same thing you'll still get the same point across um and the thing about this is that that should not be the selling point of like oh look at that clear water that water looks great and looks real that's great and all but if your story sucks then maybe you should go back to the drawing board to make sure that your storyboard and your graphics can be at least even kill i know but i was gonna say it doesn't matter how pretty your water is if you can't fucking play the game you know True. especially with all of the games that are coming out that are half finished because they want to sell the rest of it through dlc and oh yeah you know season passes and shit and it's like what is the point of me spending $60 for pretty water when I can't play the game and get the satisfaction, right. the experience that I want? So, yeah. So, 
it was I, I was like wow this was a lot different life, than I, than life I was affirming and yes. and how also they had brushed on Mass Effect Andromeda and how oh. instead of it like actually focusing on the, varying the gameplay, how they were advertising what kind of relationship you can get into. And so it's like, yeah, that was like a political cash grab to sell that when that should not have been the case. Concentrate on the gameplay and then come back to that. Whoever you want to be involved with on Andromeda, whatever you, makes you happy, you go ahead and yeah. do that. But that should be the selling point of the game. Yeah, and so. because I think they acknowledge that the concept of Andromeda is yeah. really cool. Like the plot yeah. of it itself is really cool because... You're in a galaxy 600 years into the future and you literally are starting from scratch. You have no idea what the hell's going on with the other species and whether or not they're still alive or whether or not y'all will make it. But the gameplay, the story, the character development, they focused on the wrong things and, and that's what kind of made Andromeda tank. So yeah, focusing on pretty, but not yeah. functional, not playable. So you can look at a pretty glass plate, but you you really can't do much more to it than look at it. It feels like that's what a lot of games are like that. And they're also explaining how sometimes the gameplay also depends on who you're with and if you can play it with other people and making it more fun and how the value of co-op has kind of gone away that there's nothing better than having actual couch co-op or people next to you to play Mm -hmm. instead of it being online, even like it's fine, especially if you cannot be there. But how co-op can also be the best option too. we're like, yeah. Yes! Yeah. It just spoke to everything that we've been saying for how many years now. And but it it's was, true. But it's true. But it was interesting because me and Tiffany can count on both hands the amount of mediocre but terrible games that we've played as co-op. But we've had so much fun because... Like just- that stupid, um, what was it? <laughs> Expendables game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so stupid and god awful, but it was fun because it was like, okay, things are exploding, even though it's like, it, it kind of reminds me of like a broke ass Contra, but a yeah. really broke ass Contra, but it was fun. It was it fun. It was fun playing it. Yeah, just being yeah. able to dick around with your friends and be silly. Like, that's the draw of, of co op. Like, yeah, you get to play stuff together, but again, that community, that fellowship, and just being mm-hmm. able to be silly. And I think that's why I love Army of Two so much because, yeah, you already have that established like co-op is the central focal point of the game so you already have that going and then depending on what you decide to do together or or how you function like that's another part of the fun okay let's do back to back and just yeah yeah i mean just like it was campiness (laughs) at its core but it's so much more enjoyable especially when you get to do that with the buddy and of course with army too you got to do that not only online previously Previously. but also was able to do that on the couch with your friends so the commentary is always worth it when you're like side by side to do that (laughs) the you know salem and rios have such different personalities and the things that they say you're just like oh shit (laughs) yeah yeah there's some things i can never unhear that was such a great panel and how passionate those two guys especially the one guy that was working at sapphire i liked him he was just like yeah i'm gonna get fired from this for saying this <laughs> but it is what it is enjoy your games for what they are yeah you might not have the best graphics ever but as long as the gameplay to you is fun that's what should matter the most mm-hmm. so yeah and we got to see some of the quake the 1v1 tournaments the 2v2 stuff i wish it was kind of like when we attended QuakeCon in 2016 because the first time we we watched the tournaments the finals it was it was the actual finals it was yeah. the actual finals we went into nine overtimes it was that close of a game unfortunately these rounds weren't as engaging in 2016 even though they had the finals there they also had like the other minor things because they were just 
then introducing Quake Champions. Yeah. Because that was, like, the first year that they were releasing that. So they were showing off the gameplay for all of that. So they had, like, teams of 4-on-4 instead of, like, 2-on-2 mm-hmm. for entertainment. So they pretty much had moved everything else to the stage or maybe had done the championship beforehand. Right. They have streamed out on a different thing to make sure that the block party, I guess, doesn't go on too far or too long or whatever. But I don't remember when they said the actual, like, finals were supposed to take place. Last year, the yeah. finals was happening in the afternoon yeah. when I went. And so. they kept moving stuff around. And we wanted to attend Master Pancake Theater. Unfortunately, we couldn't because we had we had got to do with WikiCon, yeah. and we were exhausted. We're done. I slept like... on my floor. <laughs> I was that tired. But I slept on the train home, so I can't really exert myself too much. So I was just glad for that one day. And yeah, I think QuakeCon, I think I've had my fill for right now because I'm a little tired. It was worth it. And... At the end, of course, the black party is usually like from 8 to 11, just when they have like the Valari giveaway. So if you have gotten these golden tickets or stuff throughout the day, you get to submit stuff for like, what, $10,000? There was the computer mod stuff for <laughs> three different competitions for you to do computer mods. This is one guy that has changed his mod each year and he's won each year, but in the different categories. I'm like, man, can you come to my house and just talk to me one step at a time? <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck did you like? I, I just need that. The problem uh-huh. was I wish they would have a platform to show off the mods because what would happen was they would have them on stage, but you have literally hundreds of people surrounding you so you can't see it and it's on the ground and it's like, Y'all need a platform to show these off. Either a platform or have the camera guy cut to the actual thing so you can see it on the yeah, screen. Because everybody like, was like, show us the thing. Show us the thing. Like, like, we can't see them. And, of course, like some of these mods, they can't lift over their heads. So it's yeah. more like you either have to like, stand up from where you are if you're lucky to. Yeah. Or if it was small enough, yeah, they would lift it up. But a lot of them have these huge mods that they couldn't lift. Um, a lot of them up here dragging them off the stage. So, yeah, y'all kind of need to like redo that next time. And that was the deal that happened two years ago because it's just like i don't even know what i'm looking at yeah. right now they did a cosplay contest a pj contest so people came up in their, their onesies and stuff that Ooh, was fun. minions oh, God, minions <laughs> there was also <laughs> an art contest and so the people that entered won money and yeah. so i mean there's a lot of really creative stuff going on with QuakeCon. as always they had free swag they had blood drive going on so you could go and donate blood favorite people rolled the play for tabletop and they had mm. their own little area where you can rent all these games and we played harry Potter clue mm-hmm. and that was epic so yeah there was many things that you can do in the meantime while you're idle and of course they had food trucks and of course by the time we were going out there the first time it was a monsoon it was just pouring rain i have to give it to the gay lord for not only how they just made everyone feel nice and at home but just how that convention center just laid out to contain all us nerds in one part yeah (laughs) but i just love the convenience of everything and how even though everything was stacked that everything was accessible nothing was too far out of the way Mm -mm. so i liked that it was great for me because i'm like uh (laughs) i can't walk that far guys so and the byoc area actually had free spaces which is unheard of but this year was the biggest room the biggest amount of byoc people that they've had in the western hemisphere this was the biggest we saw quite a few spaces and tables that were blanks and they also have try BYOC for like an hour mm-hmm. station so you can come and play. And I know a lot of that was designated to like playing Quake. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get a feel for that and if you want to try for that next year, you could. So yeah, that was cool. But they even had their own Pecos Pete drink thing for accessibility. And I was glad that unlike last year, now they put 
the BYOC in a separate room so they can have his own space to breathe. Because, like, that was just too much noise competing with what they were doing. Even with your best headphones, sometimes you cannot cancel out something going on stage. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. It was a good one. I mean, yeah, we only attended one day. But QuakeCon is always such a fun event to do. So if you ever get a chance, go to QuakeCon. It's free. For general attendees, but if you want to do BYC, I think it starts at $75. And they had seats. I mean, literally, they were still selling seats up until probably about two or three weeks ago. So there's still a good chance that you could get a seat next year because before it used to sell out in minutes literally yeah and byoc is not really only to your computers too like there was people that had both their computers and their xbox or their playstation so bring whatever you feel like and just game in a room full of like peeps especially clans and teams and stuff as long as you pay for the station if you just want to camp out there and be amongst other gamers have at it that's just a cool experience yeah and bring a lamp yeah and a whole bunch of christmas lights because it is dark there's no lights of course so your eyes are going to be strained or just take many breaks yeah like get up every hour or so so yeah definitely worth it i think it's something that we would like to try next year for sure we were also wanting to go to leaky con next year so hopefully they don't clash yeah Yeah, we'll see what happens with that but yeah hopefully they'll announce that in a couple of weeks because they probably have to start planning like immediately for next year so pretty much highly recommend it especially also if you are a pathetic as a fan, Fallout, Prey, Dishonored, Wolfenstein, Doom. Most of the time, full analysis doesn't come until QuakeCon for stuff. So if you want to get more insight, come to the panels. This will be the place also if you're a big fan of plenty of stuff to do. But I think this is all we have about this weekend. Again, we're so sorry about the lack of full-blown episodes, but I've been battling with... Um, <laughs> insurance and doctors for the last couple of weeks and hopefully i'll get my surgery soon and yes get back to surgery normal. yes surgery <laughs> this is surgery proportion so yeah. just try not to strain her too much we didn't want y'all to go out another two weeks without either hearing word or making sure we're all okay so hopefully fingers tied that we will either have some kind of episode before or we'll be back to our regular scheduled program and just need to adjust our episodes to see where we are so i guess with that being said please just check out all the social media we're on and we will keep you posted on the next episode that will come up and so if anything else stay game tastic bye guys we love y'all love you too Mm, stay out of trouble (laughs) oh yeah and for those who are starting school i'm sorry (laughs) i was just gonna say like have a good first star of school mm-hmm. so yeah Yay. bye guys see y'all bye. next time <laughs> later <laughs>